hope everyone will start having a seat. We have some business to do with the Lord this morning. <laughs> All right. Can we just give worship? Just show, show them some love. It's so, so good. So grateful for them. All right. If y'all just pray with me. Hmm. Yeah, Jesus, we just thank you so much for your presence. Like Sarah was saying, we just give you everything this morning. God, you are so worthy. You are so worthy, God. We just thank you that you are the lover of our hearts. You pursue us. You consume us. You are worthy of all of us, Jesus. And you are a jealous God. And you will stop at nothing until you have all of us, Jesus. You will stop at nothing. And so we just hold nothing back. I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for your intercession for us. For your bride, for this house. And I just yield myself to you this morning. I just ask you will speak through me and penetrate hearts, Jesus, for you. Just by the power of your word, God. Thank you for your gentleness, your compassion, your kindness, your mercy. And you are just so worthy, God. You're so worthy. And we just give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. (laughs) All right, if you'll turn with me to Song of Songs, I'm going to go to chapter 8, verse 6. This is the Passion Translation that I'm reading from. This is the bridegroom king. This is Jesus. He is speaking directly to his bride. He is speaking directly to the church. Who is this one? Look at her now. She arises out of her desert, clinging to the beloved. When I awakened you under the apple tree as you were feasting upon me, I awakened your innermost being with the travail of birth as you longed for more of me. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death in the grave, all-consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. This is his heart for us. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. The Holy Spirit brought me to the scripture because I really believe it's a picture of right now what he's doing in the house of God. I really believe he is restoring and rebuilding his church. 
the last few years, there's been so much shifting and shaking and a cleaning of his house. And I keep having this image of Jesus just drawing a line in the sand. And he's saying, I'm inviting you into something deeper. I'm inviting you to greater intimacy. He's inviting us to give, us, give him its, our whole hearts just as he's given to us. And I think there's prodigal sons within the church that are coming home. And as much as we want to focus on the external revival that is coming, Jesus wants to revive our hearts first and wants our hearts back. He is so jealous for all of us, for our wholehearted worship. He wants to consume our hearts. He wants to be first. And just like Melanie and Jeremy shared last week, Jesus is restoring the temple. The preeminence of his word, he's restoring purity in the house of the Lord. He's restoring purity in worship. And he's asking us to cast down all other idols and distractions that any other lovers that we have taken and given our affection to will be cast down at his feet. And I believe that the days of a lukewarm church are coming to a close. We have seen over the last few years that the consumer-driven Western Christianity does not work. It does not sustain us. Being filled up with an Instagram post or TikTok video will not sustain your relationship with Jesus. And I'm really grateful for the way that Jesus uses those platforms, but they will not be what transforms your heart. You have to spend time in the secret place like Wes shared a few weeks ago. You have to spend time in the word of God because it is like spending time with Jesus like Caroline shared a few weeks ago. You have to make a decision because the world is going to try to steal your affection. The world is going to bring enlightenment and knowledge over and over and over again. But none of it is going to bring transformation and maturity like the word. And you have to decide, do you believe in his word, his truth, or do you not? Is Jesus king in your life, or is he not? Will you choose to be consumed by him, or will you not? And I thank Jesus that this is a house that is set apart for him and consumed by him. I think that, I thank Jesus that we will always speak the word of God, and we will never shy away from it. Whatever any other denomination is doing, whatever culture is saying is popular we are people that believe in him and what his word says alone and i believe that jesus is raising up generals and pioneers in the faith right now that are in alignment with god's heart and are happily countercultural. and i pray that we would seek his kingdom above all else that we would choose to continue to be purified and sanctified in every way every way and that we would repent when we need to repent that we would choose righteousness, holiness, selflessness, and bird for the things of God, that we would be so set apart, that we would love and worship him, and it would be reflected not just in our words, but in our attitude, in our actions, and that we would live in such a supernatural way that the world wonders, what makes you so different? I want to know who that Jesus is. And what I'm talking about today is being good stewards of that that we would be good stewards of all he's given us so that we can be entrusted to reign in this life, that we would live heaven-minded for an appointed time where we will stand before him and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So with that said and now released, are you guys ready to go deeper this morning with him? I wasn't planning on going in this direction that I'm about to head. (laughs) 
But Melanie and Jeremy opened the door in such a powerful way last week, um, and they made it quite easy to keep and step with for this Sunday. And I don't argue with Holy Spirit. So I want to continue talking about first fruits today, specifically in the realm of finances. I originally, like I said, just felt like this was out of my lane and not where I was headed. And the Holy Spirit corrected me and said, your role is as a pastor in this house. And part of pastoring is shepherding, correcting, and guiding people in the matters of the heart and wholeness. And the matters of someone's finances just has much to do with their wholeness as where their heart is emotionally and spiritually because finances are a spiritual issue. Everything in our life is spiritual. God is a part of everything, whether we include him or not. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Mark 12, 30 says, You are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you, and with all of your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. He says, with all your heart. So, does where, so where does every decision that we make in life originate from? Our hearts. Our hearts reflect our worship. Our hearts reflect who or what our trust is in. Our hearts choose what is priority in our life. Our hearts choose how we steward our time, our energy, our relationships, our gifts, our talents, our resources. Our hearts impact our attitudes, our actions, our behaviors, our decisions. So where my heart is, my treasure is also. So I share all that to share with you this morning. I hope this is encouraging. I hope this brings you excitement for you and your family But when it comes to giving because not only is our finances a heart issue, but it reveals what we believe about God. It also has so much to do with taking back the ground that has been stolen by the enemy for the kingdom of God. He wants to restore and return authority back to the church and reestablish his kingdom on the earth, and that has so much to do with where our treasure is and where we put our resources. And the kingdom we are part of as his children, as his bride, operates in a totally different way and is counterculture to this world. He commands us to give love to people that don't deserve it, that may not return it, to forgive those that may not ever ask for forgiveness, to pray for our enemies, to give mercy to people who wrong us, to be extravagant givers and stewards of our resources when the whole world is saying hoard everything and think only of yourself. So I highly encourage you to listen to Melanie and Jeremy's message from last week. If you haven't listened to it again, it was so, it's so powerful. And I just want to give honor where honor is due. Uh, Jeremy and I have read several times um, The Grace of Giving by Pastor Cheon and um, The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. And if you've never read those books, I just highly encourage you to, to go check them out because they're incredible. So finances are important to the Lord. To give you some examples, there are 500 verses on prayer, 500 verses on faith, but over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. 16 out of 38 parables that Jesus taught are about money. It is important to him, and because it's important to him, it should be important to us. In the Bible, there is a principle of first. This is established in creation, and it runs all the way to Revelation 22. Along with the principle of first that is established, God is also establishing a divine order, and he also establishes a divine alignment. Yeah. 
you'll go to Exodus 13.1, I'm going to be reading from that. Or you can just listen. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Sanctify to me, which means set apart, set aside to me, all the firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of animal. He says, It is mine. God is so possessive. It belongs to me. It is mine. Verse 12, You shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The males shall be the Lord's or belong to the Lord. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. In other words, he's saying if you're going to, you are going to lose it if you don't dedicate it to God. You will lose it if you don't dedicate it to God. And this refers to a New Testament principle we're going to talk about. And all the firstborn man among your sons you shall redeem. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. So how do you know if you shall sacrifice it or redeem it? So God gives us two animals that are examples of a clean animal or an unclean animal. For instance, lambs represented the clean animal and donkeys represented an unclean animal. So if your firstborn is a clean animal, it has to be sanctified, sacrificed. If it is an unclean animal, it has to be redeemed or purchased back from God with the sacrifice of a clean animal. Are you guys following? Yes. All right. The firstborn of a clean animal had to be sacrificed. The firstborn of an unclean animal had to be redeemed by the sacrifice of a clean. This was written about 4,000 years ago, but it has everything to do with our current state as we are in need of a Savior. John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus was born clean. The clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean would be redeemed. And Jesus is called the firstborn of many brethren. We all came into this world in need of a lamb. Jesus is called the lamb that was slain on our behalf. When John, sees, when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he says, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God gave us his first and his best when he gave us Jesus. Amen. Jesus had to be sacrificed so that we could be redeemed. This principle is through all of scripture. The firstborn had to redeem the rest. So if you were a farmer and your sheep had a lamb, you had to sacrifice the lamb unto God to redeem the rest. We give him our first and we give him our best. He is worthy. That is what he has commanded us to do. And it takes faith to give the first. That was a big ask, right? It doesn't take faith to give the last. It doesn't take faith to have ten lambs and give the last. That's not what God said. He said, give me the first one when you don't know if you're going to have any more. Give me the first one when you don't have the others yet or if you, you don't know if you will. And in the same way, when it comes to us giving him our first fruits or our tithe, which means one-tenth in Hebrew, 
This is the act of faith that releases the blessing. It doesn't take faith to give the last 10% of our income if we feel like everything else is taken care of. It takes faith to give that first 10%. And this kingdom principle is for your good. It puts divine order in your house so he can bless you. To do life outside of God's order is unwise. Just trust me, it's unwise. There is order to our lives, and this is how you get order in your finances. When he's first, everything can come into order. He brings divine order and a divine alignment to families when we put him first in every way. Our first fruits must be offered. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with all the first fruits of your increase or income, so that your barns may be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with wine. And this was written hundreds of years after the law. Tithing was 2,500 years before the law and hundreds of years after the law. And even in the New Testament, Jesus talks about the importance of the tithe in Matthew 23, 23. Mark 2:22 says, this is Jesus speaking, no one pours new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and wine skins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wine skins. So Jesus was telling them that this new way of life he was bringing would require, require a new paradigm shift in their thinking. They were no longer to be held to external observances of the law, for Father God had written the laws on his heart. And then God gives us the Holy Spirit. And he gave them the Holy Spirit. And he taught them and empowered them to live to a higher standard than the law could ever produce. And that's what he's asked of us. So if you think that tithing is an Old Testament law, it is very much something that the Holy Spirit has invited us to do. In the, in the New Testament, he said he has called us to a higher standard. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Exodus twenty three nineteen says, The first of the fir- first fruits of your land you shall bring, pay attention to that word bring, into the house of the Lord your God. This is like what Melanie shared last week. Into the house of the Lord your God. Tithe doesn't go to a missionary. It doesn't go to an organization. It doesn't go to a friend. Although those are awesome things that we can give to and be generous to. Your tithe goes to the house of God. God never uses the word, let's go back to that verse, give. He always uses the word bring when he speaks of tithing. He never uses the word give. He always uses the word bring because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you in the first place. You can only bring it. This is a gift. This is an offering. This is not something that I I possess already. This is already yours that you've given to me. So you can take, you can either take it, what belongs to God, or you can bring it to him. This is why in Genesis God only accepted Abel's offering and not Cain's. You can go to Genesis 4-3 with me if you would like. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. So see here, it specifically doesn't say his first fruits. It just said the fruit of the ground to the Lord, an offering. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect and receive Cain in his offering. 
In other words, Cain gave what he wanted and when he wanted, and God couldn't accept it. And it's not that God didn't receive it. He couldn't receive it. I'll tell you why. God can't be second. This is the preeminence of God. This is what he's established in, in the Bible, in, in the order of the ways that he's designed this. Even if you don't put God first in your life, he's still first in the universe. He's still first in the kingdom. He has to always be first. So when Abel gave his first fruits offering, he could not accept it. And when Cain give, gave his offering in the way he chose and when he chose, he could not accept it. There are things that God can't do. He can't lie because he is truth. He can't change because that's the immutability of God. His char character can't change. He can't change because he's perfect. If he could change, he could get better. And God can't get better because he's already best. God can't think the way we think. This is the omniscience of God. God isn't trying to figure anything out. Nothing has ever occurred to God because he knows everything. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Leviticus 27.33 says, In all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the land, belongs to the Lord and is holy to the Lord. Everything belongs to God, but he has set aside the first 10% to himself. This is why the tithe must be the first 10% because it belongs to God. The tithe must be first. It is the first that leaves your hand. It is the first that brings a blessing. It is the first that redeems the other nine. It is the first that makes the rest holy. And I want to reiterate in all this again that this being a command although it is enough that it is in Scripture, this is a heart issue, and God knows that. This is not a legalistic issue. But in your heart, God wants to know, where, where is my place? Where is his place in your heart? Because when he's first, everything can come into order. And when he's not first, everything will not come into order. And how you steward what, you ha what he has given to you matters and is the di direct reflection of your heart. When we make decisions about our finances, and those, those decisions and actions go against what the Word of God says, this can lead to a poverty mindset. And by doing so, we are saying to the Lord that my thoughts and my opinions about my finances are superior to your Word and your promises, which is idolatry. We are saying to the Lord, I do not fully trust you with this part of my life. You are not fully king in this part of my life. You do not have my heart in this part of my life. It steals the joy of living in the humility of saying, everything I already have comes from your hand. Robert Morris says, how you handle money reveals volumes about your priorities, your loyalties, and your affections. So do my finances reflect my love and my trust an act of obedience to God and his word, or do my finances reflect a lack of love, distrust, and belief in God and his word and his ability to perform it? We are to give our tithe not only because in his act of obedience, the divine order of his word, but we give because we know who he is and know and trust his character. We give out of a place of intimacy with the Father. When we give, we're reflecting his nature because it originated in him first. God is a giver. 
It is who he is. We are generous because he has been most generous with us first. We are loving because it is out of the overflow of his heart that he loved us first. We are cheerful givers because he has given cheerfully to us first. Everything we own is because God has given it to us, so we gladly give him everything back in return because it is his anyways. The way we give is an external declaration saying, all that I have and all that I am is from you and everything is yours. I trust you. I love you. I worship you and you alone. We must see that he is king and we are his children. We, are ma- we get to manage his resources. And when we are in alignment with this, we regain our authority and dominion and can advance his kingdom here on the earth. So when you understand, when we understand our position as managers and stewards of his kingdom resources, this, we, this creates selflessness in us. We align our hearts with Father's God's and understand giving his way. We get to see that every financial decision is a spiritual decision, and we have that assurance of God's provision because we are free from the fear of lack or the burden of providing for ourselves. Our hope is in Father God and not in money. I want to go to Malachi chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. In this scripture, God is addressing the nation of Israel and the priestly system that had become corrupt. This is how you've broken covenant with me, says the Lord. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord God Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God wants to restore relationship to his people. Why does he say that they are robbing him? It's not just about the physical tithe, but what the tithe represents. Evidence of their heart not putting him first and trusting him for everything they need. God is longing for restoration of that relationship with him. God is longing for them to live in freedom and return to him when they have been under that curse. And why under that why are, why are they under that curse? It is not because God is cursing them for not tithing, but by failing to tithe, none of their substance is sacred and consecrated to the Lord. Consequently, nothing is blessed. They are living outside the covering of God's blessing and therefore are opening themselves to the effects of the curse. God is simply pointing out this fact that by not putting him first and trusting him, For everything they need, everything is out of order and is out of alignment in their lives. God also says in this verse that he will rebuke the devourer for our sake. What is the devourer? The devourer is lack. 
It is not having enough for what is needed. It is always something breaking down and not having the means to pay for it. It is a bill that goes unpaid. It is a need that goes unmet. It is the cycle of poverty. It is a cycle of greed. It is a cycle of selfishness. It is the opposite of abundance. It is the opposite of generosity. It is the opposite of peace. It is opposite of freedom. Jesus says in John 10, 9, I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has one thing in mind. He wants to steal slaughter and destroy but i have come to give you everything in abundance more than you expect life in its fullness till you overflow god has promised that as we take care of the lord's house he will take care of ours test me in this this is the one place in scripture in all of scripture in all the bible that god says you have the permission to test me he knew if israel would abundantly obediently tithe as he had instructed them to do they would abundantly reap It was inevitable because his word is unchangeable truth and always accomplishes its purposes. God is promising to flood them with blessings for returning to him. This is the heart of the prodigal-seeking father that was going after the heart of Israel that is going after us right now. He is overflowing with love as he pleads to his children to return home. So it is from our hearts. It is out of the overflow of our hearts that we bring our tithe and our offerings, our first fruits, our seed did so. It is from our hearts that our treasure is found. And we are to tithe whether we have little or we have much. We are to tithe whether we are in debt or completely debt-free. We are to tithe whether we are single or if we are married. In the issues of the heart, he wants it all. If you have trust issues with God, be honest with him. He can handle it. Bring, bring it simply out of obedience. And watch as he shows himself so faithful as a father. He can be trusted. He is faithful to his promises. I'm not sharing anything out of manipulation here. I'm sharing everything out of love and wanting you guys to understand the goodness of God in your lives. I would never ask you to do something that we don't have a personal history of doing and seeing the promises and the faithfulness of God over and over and over again. I'm really speaking to the younger crowd here because the earlier that you can understand this revelation of his love and the importance of giving him everything, you are setting yourself up for so much success in the matters of your finances and your business. We are teaching our, our little kids to start tithing. If they get something for their birthday or, like, something for their allowance, we're like, okay, we're going to give some of that to the Lord. And, they're, and they love doing that. This is, this is something that is exciting. This is something that he asks us to test us in. He can be trusted. He is faithful to his promises. And I believe, I, I, and I really believe we have a house that reflects the generosity of a father's heart. But I also believe that we are at the cusp of seeing what that fully looks like in manifest form. And I encourage you, yes, to bring your full tithe to the house of God out of obedience. But so much more than that, go to the Holy Spirit and ask him, where can I partner with you for breakthrough in my life? What amount is past my comfort zone when it comes to the seed that I want to sow? If it's the baseline 10%, like that's scary for you, start there. But if it's 50% or 90%, like crazy, go there. Where do I need, where do I need to sow? Where do I need to invest my time? Where do I need to give an offering? Come with faith and come with expectation 
And watch what he will do. Ask him to multiply your seed. Watch him give you increase. Watch him partner with you in paying that debt off quicker. See that need be met. See that bill be paid. Watch the miracles he will do in your business. Watch the doors that will open for you that you could never open for yourself. And watch as generational curses of lack fall off your family. You are making a decision that is not just affecting you if you're single or you and your husband if you're just married, but you are making a decision by investing that tithe into the kingdom that will affect not your children, but your grandchildren and their children. This is a, this is a generational blessing that you get to take part of. Haggai 2 says, Walk close to me with me than you are walking with the one who has already secured the victory. There is no battle that has prevailed against him, so there is no battle that can prevail against you. You will be enjoying a victory that you never secured. And this is the promise of obedience when it comes to giving him our first fruits. This is the great exchange of the cross. We get to enjoy a victory that we never secured or could secure in our own efforts. We get to taste and see his goodness and his blessing. We get to show the world what it looks like to attain true wealth by showing how generous can I be. We get to demonstrate selflessness and sacrifice with cheerful hearts because that is what Jesus did for us. And we get to reign in this life as radiant reflectors of his goodness, confident and secure in his provision for us and our families, only going from increase to increase in glory to glory in every way. There is a transfer of wealth to the wicked. From, from the wicked, I'm sorry, to... <laughs> that does not make sense. There is a transfer of wealth from the wicked to the righteous that is happening right now. And he's looking to those he can trust in this and who are fully devoted to him. Those that will be so fully consumed by him, so in love with him, that every area of their life are a reflection of worship onto him. And I promise you, if it feels like a sacrifice at first, it won't be long before it doesn't feel like a sacrifice anymore. And you'll be, like, excited for, just increase my faith, God. Increase my faith. I want to see what you can do. We're going to move into a time of prayer. Um, If you'll stand with me. Um, I just want to say that I have felt really thankful and humbled um, just to be entrusted with this message today. I know this is such a personal issue, but this is what we do at church. We talk about personal things. We challenge you into maturity because we love you. And I care about you, and the five of us care about you so much, and your family so much. And we want to pastor you into wholeness. And I want you to experience every joy and every blessing and every freedom in its fullness that Jesus has for you in every area of your life. I want you to know that Jesus is jealous for your heart, and he will be after your whole heart until it is completely given to him. He is relentless. He is relentless. He wants to consume you, spirit, soul, and body. He wants to have all of you. And I feel like for some of you, I'm just preaching to the choir that this is just more fuel for your fire. You're already super generous, and you're partnering with the Lord in your finances. This is just like, yes, I got this. But for some of you, this may be a morning where you make a decision regarding your finances, to, de- 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 to dedicate your first fruit to the Lord, perhaps for the first time, and that is okay, or perhaps for the first time in a long time. And this act and decision, it, belong- it starts in your heart. So God is asking you this morning 
where am I in your heart and in your life? Am I first? Am I your priority? Do you trust me fully? Are you excited to put your first fruits back into my hands and see what I will do? And I don't want to pray a corporate prayer this morning because I feel like all of us are in different places right now with him. So I just ask that you'll just pray with me. Close your eyes. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit who is the perfect intercessor for us to examine our hearts. Show me places in my heart and in my life that need to be consumed by your love and our affections and where I can pour out my love and affections back onto you, Jesus. Show me any place in my life where, my, I, where, my, where I may have seen you through a false lens and I ask you, Holy Spirit, to correct this by only the ways you can. Speak to me, show me you are faithful, God. You are merciful, kind, compassionate, gracious. You are good. You can be trusted. You have so much goodness and blessing for my life and my family. We are expectant, Jesus. We are excited. We are grateful. And we just thank you, Jesus, for trusting us to partner with you and advancing your kingdom, God. We love you. Amen. The front is open if you would like to come and be with the Lord. Uh, the five of us are available for prayer. For there is love that is as strong as death.